Yeah. Yeah. So, so what did happen with SBV? So, you know, in 2020, after, uh, you know, the Fed and the Treasury started distributing all these, uh, uh, you know, cash to, to all the companies out there um, during COVID, uh, we've seen a tremendous growth in terms of deposits that these uh, companies had. Um, and especially, you know, the one who benefited the most when rates were lower um, and, you know, grow the most when interest rates are at zero is obviously tech, which is um, what SBV was focusing on. So SBV had, you know, a majority of its accounts and close to 90% of its uh, deposits from, uh, from, you know, fintech and tech companies. And the average deposit over there was fairly large. It was about $4 million average uh, deposit from these type of institutions. So as you can see here, SIVB, which is a, a, the SVB bank, uh, you know, had the most growth in, in balance sheet. And so at some point as their balance sheet loaded, they, they invested in uh, mortgage-backed treasuries, securities, which are, you know, kind of a quasi, you, you know, U.S. treasuries, but on the mortgage side of things. Um, and, uh, you know, then what happened is that as the economy started heating up and the inflation started picking up, the Fed had to catch up. And in the last year, in 2022, we've seen the highest rate hikes we've seen in, you know, in, in a very, very long time. Uh, they increased rates by about 400 to 500 basis points, so four and a half to five percent. Um, and obviously, we live in an economy that is very leveraged and has a high amount of debt. And so now we're starting to see the unintended consequences of, of what that means. Um, so most bank uh, will be, so it, it's a little different than 2008. 2008, the bank's balance sheet was full of those, you know, toxic mortgages and they were, you know, not as, uh, as prepared and the regulator didn't have as many constraints on, on, on those, on, on the banks. And so it was a very different crisis. In this case, it's nearly, um, you know, it's, it's the world upside down because like what these banks had was actually US treasuries, which is the best quality uh, paper that you can have on your balance sheet. The problem is that, you know, when you buy these things at 1% and that the rates go to five, 6%, uh, well, you create losses on your balance sheet, even if you own these. So the, you have to make the distinction and, and we'll come back to that between, um, medium-sized banks and large banks, because in 2008, after the crisis, Dodd-Frank and all that put some very constraint and res restriction on, on large banks, which are sometimes called GSIB, uh, which is Global Systematically Important Banks. Uh, and those have, uh, have to show, you know, carte blanche to the regulators on a, on a regular basis on a lot of different ratios. They have to have don't want to go into too many details and, and, and whatnot, but like tier one capital ratios, uh, LCR, which is going to be important in this case, which is the liquidity coverage ratio, uh, which means that these banks, these very large banks need to have 30 days of liquidity on hand at all time. And they have to show that to the regulator on a monthly basis. Same thing in Europe, that's on a quarterly basis. Um, the problem is that uh, so the large banks are 
now more constrained and, and in a way safer, they're also much more diligent in the way that they, they function. So some of you might he have heard that this, there's a lot of acronyms, so I apologize for that, but uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about like AFS and HTM. AFS means security available for sale and HTM is securities held to maturity. So those are basically when they buy those treasuries or those HQLA, high liquid quality assets, the banks put them off balance sheets into these two buckets. Um, most of the large banks are sophisticated enough and use derivative products and swaps to hedge that risk. So if they buy a, a treasury, which is a fixed coupon, they're going to basically pay a fixed coupon in swap and receive floating. So then they're in they have a floating rate and a lot less interest rate risk. Um, and they can hedge the AFS side of things and not so much the HTM side of things for accounting reason. And again, I'm not gonna go into the details. Please feel free to hit me afterwards or anytime if you really wanna go into that. Um, so big banks are a little more secure because they have more constraints and they're much more sophisticated at hedging themselves. On the other side, the small and medium-sized banks, a lot of those constraints were, were taken out in 2018 and made them a little weaker. Um, and so when they bought those securities, they didn't hedge well, and then they created massive losses in their portfolio. Um, and, and that's what created the, the, the downfall of SVB because um, people started worrying about that. And then all that cash that you see here that they got in 2020 and 21, in 2022, all the tech space collapsed, right? Because when rates go higher, the worst sector to be in is tech. And therefore they started drawing on all, all the liquidity they had at the banks. They started pulling the deposits. So they pulled so much deposits that SVB was forced to sell those security that was keeping off balance sheet and now they created a loss. And then people started seeing the loss created and the sophisticated account went in and started, you know, it's been wildfire. And as I was saying before, uh, in our little pod, nowadays with Twitter, with all the information in the world getting to everybody on their cell phone in, in a heartbeat, um, it's been a massive exit last, last Thursday. So to give you some perspective, SVB had, 42 billion in one single day that people wanted to take out of that bank. Last time we had a run on a bank on the biggest bank in the world, which was Wamu Securities, that you see that was a 307 billion bank, which was not a small bank, but that was during the financial crisis. Um, it took 10 days and 16 billion of people taking 16 billion over 10 days to create that bank run. So you can see the, the sharp difference in the modern world we're, we're living in where, where things just go like wildfire. And so, so the Fed had to take over, the FDIC had to take over SVB last Thursday night. They put them into receivership. And then the next day, Signature Bank went out. And then thank God there was a weekend. And then the Fed and the regulators over the weekend I think did the right thing in coming in strong and uh, guaranteeing the deposits from uh, 
SVB and Signature Bank, because if not, Monday would have opened even more as a more of a catastrophe. Um, and um, and uh, so it's it's not it's not a bailout, a traditional bailout, if you will, because there's no taxpayer money that goes into this. It's mostly uh, whatever is left at these banks, and then the FDIC has a the FDIC is basically an insurance. And most all the banks are forced to buy insurance from that. So a lot of the premiums that are paid are put in a fund, and that fund is about 120 billion. Um, so a lot of those deposits that were backed are coming from from that money and not not uh, not the taxpayers' money so far. Uh, so the other thing that the Fed did is they quickly put a new backstop facility in place. For 25 billion, which means that they, what was happening as I as I mentioned, the AFS and HTM, if you remember, available for sale and held to maturity book, which was holding all those, you know, treasuries and 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 AAA securities. Um, in order for to avoid people to to be a forced seller, they said, okay, those bonds are trading at 80 cents on the dollar. You can come to the Fed at any time, give them to us as a as collateral, and then we'll give you $100 against that 80 cents. So usually it's the opposite. The Fed takes collateral, but always at a haircut. So if you give them something that's worth 80 cents, they will only give you 70 cents on the dollar. In this case, they said, no, okay, we'll take the 80 cents and we'll give you $1. And that's a, that's a, a loan for one year uh, until things uh, quite down. So that that helps. Um, and I think it's it's it was it was a, a, a good thing to do, um, but it's only a twenty five billion dollar fund so far, and you know let's hope that the, you know things don't 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 get you know don't get worse. Uh, and how can they get worse? Is that well we have fifty five hundred billion in all the small and medium sized bank in the in, in the United States. So if all that money was moving at the same time to the GC Bank, the Bank of America, Chase, and whatnot, it would be problematic. So at this point, I think that, that we're seeing it. Um, those small and medium-sized banks are having issues uh, and seeing deposits moving away from them. Uh, yesterday, the Bank of America announced that they received about $15 billion from uh, various players out there. Uh, the federal system, which is also kind of a kind of the Fed of the small and medium-sized bank. It's not a government entity; it's a private entity, but it's like a cooperative. Um, has also raised and two hundred and fifty billion to kind of help and come to the rescue of those small and medium-sized banks. Um, and so at this point, I'm going to stop and see if you guys have questions, and then I'll go into what are the consequences of all these things. You know, but I think, you know, the conclusion for, for, for you guys is, uh, you know, definitely if you have uninsured deposits, meaning deposits that are above $250,000 at any of those small banks, you know, check how is that small bank, how is the balance sheet of that small bank? You can look at their 10K, you can look at, you know, bank analyst and try to understand what's their portfolio, what's the losses they have here. You know, there's an example of, of the 
you know, the losses that, that those banks have in their mark-to-market portfolios um, and, uh, and then try to move away the money that is uninsured, right, uh, for your safety. And I think that's what's happening right now. You, you see a lot of people moving anything above $250,000. There's also some new banks like uh, Mercury or Brex, which are not banks, they're technology companies in a way that take that guarantee, you know, up to $2 million. And so people are like, how, how can they guarantee me $2 million in FDIC money? Well, what they do is that they take your pool of money and then you have one account with them, but then they split it to a multiple blank. So if you had a million dollars, they would split it four times into FDIC insured banks out there uh, for you. So your money is, is a little protected. So some people that have used that, they use what they call, what we call a, I think it's called the sci-fi uh, network um, that that's been created over the last few few years. It, it's fairly fairly new banks, but uh, or technologies, um, and then the other ones are just going to move it around to probably the J.P. Morgan, the Chase, and and whatnot. And and we're seeing it as as we speak. The consequence for that is that you know because small banks deposits they use they make loans to people, and and so. So the less deposits they have, the less loans they're going to be able to make. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, you know, for my real estate stuff, most of the time I get the better terms and loans from uh, my the regional banks and the local banks uh, and the credit unions more than the Chase and the JP Morgans. And so that's probably going to tighten a little more. Um, and, uh, you know, it was already tightening, obviously, after the, the Fed started raising rates last year. And... You know, some people started slowly getting a little bit in trouble in some of the multifamily, for example, where some capital calls were were coming. And, uh, you know, anybody who bought like, you know, two and a half to four, four, four and a half cap rates are, are feeling the heat right now. Um, and so a lot of these banks had started uh, reducing the loans that they're making. And now I think it's going to impact them even more and reducing. So that means that, you know, less growth, less less loans and therefore less growth um, and probably more complicated for small businesses and real estate. 